Blog Talk Radio. episode of the um of the high motion podcast here on um block talk radio i'm your co-host jovan alfred and i'll be joined uh shortly by my uh by my other co-host the guy who came up with this podcast and the idea behind it all uh the afl insider um himself harrison brown of arenafan.com and yes folks this is the um, last podcast we're doing, um, as the, um, AFL finally, um, shut, shut closed his doors today. Yep. The day before Thanksgiving. So meanwhile, while Toys R Us was reopening their doors in New Jersey, the AFL decided, you know what? It's probably best for us to close time. It's, it's best to close shop. And that what happened um, this afternoon, the Wednesday afternoon, for anybody that listens to this podcast um, any other day, um, Wednesday afternoon, the uh, AFL um, released a statement through Commissioner Randall Bowe, basically stating that the league um, has filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy. And we've seen and heard that term many times in, you know, in the world of business, world of sports, doesn't matter. Whenever you, you hear a store or a company file for Chapter 7 bankruptcy, you know it's real. And for the AFL, it was real, and they, are, and they have immediately fully ceased business operations. This was a tough, not a tough blow or a tough blow to swallow because if anybody's been following the league over the last few years and just following this season, especially in the offseason, you kind of saw the writing on the wall, especially when we had the news come out in October. Um, had the news come out in October about, you know, the league and, you know, how they were – you know, where they weren't closing the shop and they were looking at some potential options on how to try to keep the league afloat, but it just never came to fruition. So um, on today's podcast, you know, we'll talk about, you know, talk about this breaking news, um, read the commissioner statement more in depthly of what he had to say. And, you know, from there, we'll, you know, talk about, you know, where, you know, what, what, how did they get to this point, you know, with the AFL and, you know, and, and where's the in in like I said where it went wrong, but also at the same time um, the future of indoor football. I think that's a, this this I think this brings into question. You know, this is one of the longest running indoor football leagues in the country. Went around for 32 years, on and off, and they finally shut our doors. So, what happens in the indoor football world? Does the IFL take over? Does the NAL somehow? Um, comes in and you know try to stake their claim and do their and and try to keep things going or you know or does and or is the experiment known as indoor football dead? So we'll talk about that. Look at you know minor league football too in general because I think this also brings a bigger question up about that and you know what happens to the players and coaches because this was a this you know this changes a lot too for them and their you know in their playing careers lives and et cetera et cetera. So. To jump into this and help you know dive in more to talk about this is none other, none other than the AFL insider uh, himself. It feels weird because we can't, won't be able to say that anymore. Um, we might have to say Hall of Fame AFL insider at this point. Uh, always joining me on the podcast, none other than none other than Harrison Brown of ArenaFan.com. Uh, Harrison, uh, appreciate you joining to do this last and final show it's kind of weird to say uh that this will be the final episode of the high motion podcast because it didn't seem like um we we actually it didn't seem like we were going to be this is going to be the final episode it looked like we were going to be like hey let's talk about free agency let's talk about expansion and look forward to next season and that all went down the drain in the matter of a matter of months yeah what's good bro always good to talk to you man no matter the circumstances but 
Yeah, definitely a, a very disappointing day. It was kind of a, a day that we'd all kind of been foreshadowing ever since the announcement in October. But you look just a few months back, and uh, this was definitely not in the plans for seemingly anyone from front office to players to us in the media and fans all across the league. So definitely a surprising turn of events, definitely a disappointing turn of events, but we got a lot to talk about, so let's get into it. Yeah, you're right. Let's do get let's do jump into it. And um like I said, the Arena Football League ceased operations. They released a statement um today saying the AFL announced today it has filed for chapter seven bankruptcy and is fully ceasing operations. AFL Commissioner Randall Bo said we're all disappointed that we couldn't find a way forward and we wanted to thank our fans, our players, our coaches, and everyone who loved the Arena Football League. We all loved the game and tried very hard to make it successful, but we simply weren't able to raise the, raise the capital necessary to grow the league, resolve the substantial legacy liabilities, and make it financially viable. The league suspended local business operations in October, which you just alluded to, Harrison, and have been evaluating potential strategic operations before making decisions to spend operations. Um, refunds are being processed and should be completed in a few weeks. We are thankful for the fans, athletes, coaches, play, uh, personnel, partners, sponsors, over the years, who poured immense passion into the league. So that was Commissioner Bo's statement, um, Harrison. There's a lot within that. It's a lot. It's a lot of things loaded within that statement, and you know, it gets us to thinking. You know, was there a realistic chance of them playing next year? Because there were ideas that Bo was floating around of a travel league. You know, a la you know the Premier Lacrosse League. However, he didn't really sound too fond of it when he was talking about it in October in the Times Union um, story. And then, you know, you have Arena Bowl weekend where you was at and a host of other, you know, media where Jaws, you know, he was touting that the AFL was receiving an inbound call from people from expressing interest and that the league was looking at a prospective five teams and markets joining within the next year or so. And then now we're here, you know, and, and it just went all downhill from how the league kind of started to almost build themselves um, back up again. So what are just your thoughts on both statement? And then, like I said, just everything that led up to, you know, this point and just the whole idea of a travel league and just, just everything. Yeah. I think Bo has done a pretty good job of, um, keeping everyone in the loop to an extent. Obviously this last month, they went kind of quiet and the month since the arena bowl to the announcement in October, they were very quiet, which was cause for concern. But I mean, like you just mentioned, Back in August, back in July, back through all of the 2019 regular season, this kind of wasn't even a thought in really anyone's head. There was always kind of a thought, well, this is arena football. We're not the NFL. We're not one of the big four leagues. There's always going to be some shakiness to it. It's not pulling in a bunch of fans, but you look at teams like Albany. Atlantic City had a pretty good first year, that July 4th weekend game. There was a lot of people in that building. Columbus was a market that was looking to build up. Philadelphia had pretty consistently put out eight to 10,000 every week since, you know, the reboot in 2012 when they came back or 2011. Um, and then you look at, you know, Washington was a good market. Obviously Baltimore had its problems, but it, it seemed like the six markets were here to stay. And then the expansion was what was coming up next. The talk at the arena bowl was there will definitely be expansion. I remember Josh said that the, uh, that the lawyers had the paperwork commissioner Bo was, alluding to five potential markets that are looking at two to four expansion teams should be within one to two weeks of the arena bowl. That deadline passes. There's no news. The thought was, all right, well, they're still working on it. We're looking at September, October. Hopefully it doesn't fall into the January and February range like last year with Atlantic city and Columbus did. But the, the abruptness of the October announcement is definitely what caught me by surprise. It really kind of just, boom, it was on. You know, that morning, nobody was like, oh, the AFL might fold this year. It was pretty consensusly, you know, they're going to come back. The teams have been posting about season tickets. Atlantic City sent out a press release to my email, to a bunch of other media members' emails that morning. Um, I don't exactly remember who they hired, but they had just hired someone. And, you know, within hours, the Times Union article comes out that they're suspending local operations. And for me personally, uh, I just felt like once they suspended local operations, that was about it. I, I had a feeling that there, there really wasn't going to be a lead next year. Just when you look at the travel-only league would have probably wound up costing them more money in the long run. It would probably be cheaper to just right. run the market teams. You know, maybe you consolidate 
you have Atlantic City and Philly practice together, Washington and Baltimore practice together. But to travel around the country and put people on planes every weekend, you have to fly the refs out, fly both teams out, fly all the, the game day staff. That just didn't seem realistic. You have to bring the turf to each venue, all the netting. I mean, it, it that would not have worked for arena football. So, honestly, it's probably good that they didn't do the travel-only league. I, I don't think that would have worked. I think a lot of them suspending operations come down to the refund policy, which they mentioned today. They have to pay all these people who paid season ticket money for 2020. And they had been promoting season tickets, you know, starting probably in, like, June of the regular season, all through the playoffs, all through the off season. Open tryouts were coming up. You should pay those players their money back. Each tryout is like 60 to $80 to register for. They'd been promoting those like crazy. Those players should get their money back. The season ticket holders should get their money back. And now you also have to worry about the severance packages for the players, which they unfortunately might now not get paid because they filed for bankruptcy. So it, it's, there's a lot that goes into it. I think that they kind of bought themselves some time with the October 26th announcement of suspending local operations, they were able to stop paying their, um, their team employees and, and stuff like that. They were able to, you know, take them off the payroll, but it, it didn't feel like the travel only was going to be a legitimate thing. They have a lot of T's and I's to dot and cross. So, you know, we'll see what happens moving forward for the arena football league. I definitely would say they're not going to play in 2020. I don't think anyone will swoop in, but, Eventually, the name will become available to buy. And will it be like what we've seen since 2012 to 2019? I would definitely say no. I, I would expect it to take a major step back. But eventually, someone will probably buy the name AFL Arena Football League. Will that league be like the PIFL back in the day? Will it be like the AIF and the AIL and be a terrible league? Who knows? I mean, maybe it'll be great. Hope so. But I would definitely not hold my breath on that. But I think that someone will wind up buying the name again. So I don't think we've seen the end of arena football. I think we've seen the end of arena football for definitely this year, probably next. But eventually the name is going to become available to buy. Someone will buy it. Who will that someone be? Who knows? <laughs> I, uh, you know, There's a lot of different characters in arena football ownership, and you never know what you're going to get. So um, definitely, definitely a crazy couple of months. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Like you said, a crazy month, a lot of things floating, and you mentioned it. You know, you've just been seeing the reaction on Harrison on Twitter, especially on your Twitter feed, because you, you know, interact with a lot of these, you know, you know, players, you know, player personnel, coaches, and the reaction. I think even they're shocked, and they're also kind of frustrated because you mentioned the, you know, severance packages. You know, they want to get paid for playing, like. And they want to get paid, and they don't look like they're going to get paid for that. Kind of just, it's it's a it's a bummy feeling because a lot of these guys, you know, they don't. Who knows if they're going to play football again? You know, like a lot of these guys didn't get a chance to play, didn't get picked in the XFL draft, or you know, got to try to play, find to play elsewhere, probably for hopefully higher amounts and better leagues, or even lower amounts in other leagues. So it's kind of a a tough and rocky situation. And you mentioned. You mentioned the uh, the league itself, Harrison, and like you said, it won't be back for this year, and it won't probably be back. You know, won't be back in 2020. Maybe not back in 2021. Who knows? 2022 in the future. Who knows that people will still have an interest in you know indoor football in general? Um, so that leads me to ask, just you know, what went wrong? Like, where do you think? What do you think went wrong um, for the? For the AFL and you know in 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 this situation or just not even in this situation, just where do you think the AFL just went wrong in general in their model and the fact that we look at other indoor leagues or the biggest now the biggest one in the IFL still you know somehow you know succeeding and prospering and thriving you could say. Yeah, I want to um, I want to touch on the severance packages because that is definitely an important thing for these players. The professional and the correct way to handle it is to finish out the severance package. Um, I don't know all the legalities and the actual wording of the contract, but you, they basically get a severance package, and for every week that they played in the AFL, they get a certain amount of money. Um, guys are still waiting on those. The correct way to handle it is definitely to pay them. 
Now, with the ASL filing for bankruptcy, I'm not sure if that changes their responsibility um, and their legal responsibility to have to pay those severance packages, but it is unfortunate. These guys have been banking on a certain amount of money to come to them, and now they're not going to get it. Um, that is that is very unfortunate, especially, you know, for young athletes coming out of college. It may not be the most financially sustain, um, sustainable right now, so they definitely should pay those severance packages. Will they? I'm not sure, and that's definitely going to be something to monitor. Um, we saw a lot of guys on the timeline mentioning that today, and it's going to be something that we definitely have to keep our eyes on um, as media members because the AFL should pay those severance packages. If they said they were going to, if it's in the contract, they should have to pay them. So something to continue to watch for, hoping for um, uh, an outcome that benefits both sides. But looking towards what went wrong for the AFL, um, there's a lot of things that you can kind of point your finger to since, you know, the reboot and since the fold in 2008. A lot of crazy things have happened. There really was no sustainability in the beginning. From 2012 to about 2016, you know, after that crazy folding storm in 2016, the league was different each year. They were in and out of markets. Teams would fold. Ownership would change. Then that ownership wound up being bad. They fold. Um, I mean, you think about teams like Chicago, New Orleans, San Antonio, Las Vegas, where you're losing owners like midseason and like teams can't go to the playoffs. That really puts a bad, bad rep on the league, and it makes the league kind of look like a minor league type deal. So. That definitely didn't help them in terms of the starting block of the reboot. Um, in recent years, I like what MSC had done. I think MSC definitely implemented some good things in terms of their social media game, in terms of the broadcasting, how the broadcast looked. They were done very professionally. And mm-hmm. Commissioner Bo, uh, I kind of mentioned it in the beginning, but he, he's done a very good job of just being open with what's going on, keeping fans in the loop to an extent, Obviously, we would all love to know what's happening play-by-play breakdown of everything, but I think to an extent we've been generally informed, which is more than we can say of the AFL of the past. You know, it's it's tough to to make money running one of these these leagues. There's a lot of expenses when you run a professional football team, a lot of expenses that kind of go over your head, and maybe in the beginning you've got to pay workman's comp, insurance, you've got to pay for the fields, the nets, the player salaries are huge. Um, coaches' salaries are big, TV partnerships. I mean, there's a bunch of things that you have to pay for. That's not even close to all of them. That's just how many I know off the top of my head. Uh, there's so many, so many things that wind up being an expense in the Arena Football League. And honestly, you look at it, they just didn't bring in enough revenue for a lot of it. They, they did not bring in enough fans in Baltimore. They didn't bring in enough fans in a lot of different markets dating back. And, you know, it, it just – the profit really wasn't there to be made. It's just it's so many expenses and so mm-hmm. hard to get revenue. A lot of the tickets right. that they wind up giving out are usually free. They're usually kind of just letting people in the door to see the game. That's great. It builds the you know the fans and the brand, and hopefully they come back to another game. Definitely people did come back to other games after getting a free ticket, but when a lot of your tickets are comp tickets, you're handing them out, it's going to be hard to turn a profit. So. Those are kind of some of the things. There's probably a lot of the things that went on behind the scenes that the AFL hasn't revealed um, that we do it as well. We, we definitely have to mention the lawsuit. That is a huge thing for the yes, AFL. That, uh, it's $2.4 or $2.6 million lawsuit. That's definitely something that played a factor into all of this. That 100% limits their ability to expand this year. It limits the capital that they'll have. MSC is a huge sports organization. They run the Wizards, the Capitals, the Washington Mystics, the or Capital City Go-Go, they run the Capitals AAA team. They, they do a bunch of things. I probably missed like a team or two in there. So when they're putting a lot of money into the AFL, they were huge in the Columbus partnership. They were huge in the Atlantic City partnership. Um, I'm sure they had something to do with the Albany partnership to an extent. You're putting all that money into it. You're running the Washington team. You're running Baltimore. You have to – fight off a $2 million lawsuit, you have to add two more teams, which is going to be very expensive, and they're going to have to pay for a bulk of it with Trifecta. Trifecta is also going to have to fight off this lawsuit and run the Seoul, Atlantic City, most of Albany. I mean, there's just too many expenses, and there's not going to be enough immediate return to make it worth it. So, Right. 
with with everything that MSC has going on, I can kind of understand why they said, hey, you know what, maybe we have to pull the plug on this with this huge lawsuit. We can't expand. We're going to have to fight this lawsuit. It's going to leave us in limbo. Um, it could hinder their ability to run the Washington and Baltimore franchises. So, you know, it, it's very unfortunate for the players and coaches and all the front office staff. Those are the people that I really feel the most for. Um, the players gave their all on the field. The coaches dedicated a lot of time to this, as did everyone who works for the league. Um, it's always unfortunate when people, unfortunately, are laid off out of work. And, I, you know, I definitely wish the best for them. I'm hoping that a lot of these guys find opportunities in other leagues. The CFL is just entering the beginning of their offseason. The Great Cup was this weekend. Free agency is coming up in that. Hopefully guys can get into camp, go show out in camp, and um, lock down a roster spot or a practice squad spot. You've got the XFL. Unfortunately, they had their supplemental draft, and not a lot of AFL guys went. I believe two former Columbus Destroyers went, but unfortunately that was it. There's a lot of guys who weren't picked in that. And then you look at the ISL and the NAL, it's a viable option to go play for some guys, but for some guys it's not. Um, you know, there's, there's no debating it whether you're an ISL fan, an NAL fan, or an AFL fan. The AFL was paying players the most money. And now that the IFL and the NAL are kind of the top dogs, a lot of these AFL guys don't want to take the pay cut. And there's really nothing wrong with that. It makes sense. You're making right. a certain amount right. of money. You can make a certain amount of money outside of football. Why go play in the NAL and the IFL when you were just in the AFL? Maybe the NFL is not calling you. Maybe the CFL is not calling you. It was, you know, I'm locked in at the AFL. This is where I'm going to play for the rest of my career. Now the AFL folded. Why go take a pay cut to just keep doing the same thing? There's a lot of opportunities outside of football, and I think that some of these guys are going to pursue that and, you know, definitely wish them the best on that. But we will mm-hmm. see who goes to the NAL and the IFL. Definitely players will go. There's young guys who are just coming out of college. There's veterans who still want to play, still have that passion and that drive and can make it work. Um, definitely we'll root for all these guys if they go play in the NAL and the IFL, but I can understand why guys wouldn't want to go take that jump. Yeah, for sure, and and like you said, I don't blame them either for not wanting to get jumped because, like you said, the pay cut is, you know, tremendous, and you're looking at, you know, trying to go to the IFL in general. Um, Look at the IFL, you know, they, you know, they're, they're, they're only in a certain part of the country, you know what I'm saying? They're, they're only in the Midwest and the, everything pretty much west of Mississippi almost, you know? The Midwest and the West, you know, that's where they're at. And that's, you know, asking guys, you know, pick up their livelihood and say, hey, go play in, you know, you know, go play in Quad City or go play in Tucson or, you know, Phoenix or, you know, um, Duke City or Frisco. It's like that's a lot for a lot of these guys, especially for a pay that's not really, you know, for a pay that's not actually um, for a pay that's not really paying pain itself like in like when we say about the AFL when we're talking about return on investment there is no ROI um in that in that aspect so when you got that going on and you know and it, it's just a myriad of things like you said the fans you know selling tickets and like I said most tickets weren't being sold there were people getting it for free at some times and you know because they had to get rid of the tickets and it was just a lot that, you know, that, that, that went into what went wrong. And I think that was like the main point that I wrote down on my paper, which was it just didn't bring in money. And it's so hard to bring in money when, you, when you're talking about indoor football, Harrison. And when we look at minor league football, when we look at the AAF, when we're looking at hopefully when we talk about the XFL and, you know, all these other leagues, you know, it's hard. It's hard to run a league and keep people's attention and say, hey, I'm going to put money and investment into this into this product it just doesn't work and when you don't have the machine behind you and when i when people talk you always talk about about the machine in some aspects of certain industries when you don't have the machine behind you it really makes it um tough for you and i think also what we're wrong harrison you might agree or disagree with me is that i think the afl just didn't just didn't accept just didn't um they just didn't um, attract or go after the right markets. I don't believe that they, um, that they, that I don't think they, I don't think they took the right approach with going after certain markets. And we kind of saw that, you know, fall by the wayside over the years, you know, trying to take on LA and that didn't work. Taking on Las Vegas, that didn't work. Trying it in Portland, that didn't work. Um, 
there's so many countless others that I could think of or talk about off my head. You know, it's crazy because we look back at this league started back in the early 2000s. Um, it was a whole different league. You know, we had teams in New York. We had teams in Nashville. We had teams um, in Toronto. We're talking about Toronto Phantoms here. Grand Rapids, Philadelphia, um, Jackson, not Jacksonville, excuse me, um, Tampa Bay. I mean, there's just, there, there was just, so many different teams, you know, Arizona, um, San Jose, I mean, the Pittsburgh Power, Spokane, you know, and AF2, there's just a whole bunch of league history, and I felt like the league kind of lost its way and didn't go back to what they, you know, go back to those smaller markets to try to, to try to, you know, become the only game in town and instead decided – you know, let's try for the bigger markets, and it just didn't work out well for them. I think you're definitely right about that, and I think that's kind of the frustrating thing about them folding after this 2019 season because you get Albany back in 2018, and the Albany market was the best arena football market. I'll argue with Cleveland and Spokane, and Jacksonville could definitely be thrown in that mix too, but um, Albany was the best arena football market they've had in years. Uh, they showed out for the first game when they came back in 2018. They showed out. Basically, that entire season, uh, attendance took a small dip this year, but then you look at the Arena Bowl, and it's right back up. They had a huge attendance there. It was basically sold out. The crowd was energized. They really loved that team. Um, so it's frustrating to see them fold when they had a market like Albany. Now you look at it, Albany's been burned twice. Uh, they win the Arena Bowl this year, and now the league folds. It, it's just it's frustrating to continuously see good markets leave the league. Um, here in Philadelphia, the Soul have struggled for years to gain any type of attention from anyone outside of basically the arena football world who likes it. You'll get the casual fan, um, the, maybe the, the family who comes out to a game. But in terms of genuine media attention, and Jovan, I know you'll definitely attest to this, there hasn't been any. So um, it, it's, it's tough when you, when you look at it like that. You're right about the smaller markets. Um, I think that they went after a few that were just not good fits for arena football. I don't think LA was a good fit. I don't think Vegas was a good fit. Um, Baltimore, unfortunately, wasn't a good fit for sure. They never were able to attract fans there. I like what Washington did. Um, I think it helped that Ted Leonsis owned that team and promoted it all season in that building. I think that was definitely important for the Valor. Um, Columbus, we got to talk about their fans. That's rough. You go from not having a team for close to 10 years, you get the team back. It's the same exact team name, the Columbus Destroyers. Um, people like Dogman out there, they had a very, very good fan base. There's more than just Dogman, but he's kind of, you know, he's a symbol of that fan base. Um, definitely, definitely very, very sorry to the Columbus Victoria fan base. You know, you get the team back. You're very excited for it. They go 1-10 this year. Um, but, it, look, it hey, they had something to build on in that team. Grant Russell, Fabian Garrett, sure. hopefully BMO was going to go back. The defense was very good all year. They had a stingy defense, so. Uh, it, it's it's tough to see that team fold after just one year back in the league. That definitely is going to really, really hurt the Columbus fans that did love the Destroyers out there. Um, let's say the league comes back someday, hypothetically, and, you know, you're trying to go back to Columbus and Albany. Well, now they've been burned twice. They've been burned in a year like 2019 where the league looked very, very good. It looked very stable. It looked like there was expansion coming, and kind of the, the rug was pulled out under them. The team folds. A lot of these fans were probably purchasing season tickets for 2020. Now they're waiting on the refund. The clock kind of officially starts today, uh, if it didn't in October. But with them officially folding, now it's kind of like, okay, when when you know when is the season ticket holder refund coming? Um, obviously, we weren't season ticket holders, but if we were, you know, right. if I was personally, uh, my watch would definitely start today. I'd be waiting to see when they were going to get me that check because now on social medias and in the AFL's inbox and in the AFL's phone, they're going to start getting these messages. Hey, it's been a week. Hey, it's been two weeks. When's the money coming? It's the holidays. This is going to be a Christmas present. Need my money back. So uh, I'll be interested to see how quickly they get that going. I think they will probably get it going quickly. When you look at an organization like Monumental, they're a big company. They run a lot of other teams. I'm sure that they can figure something out, compensate people, um, if not with money, with Wizards tickets, Capitals tickets, Mystic tickets, et cetera. Um, I'm sure they'll be able to figure something out. They don't want that on their brand. They don't want that bad reputation. So um, in terms of small markets, though, I think you're right, man. I think 
going after the markets like Albany, Columbus, even Atlantic City to an extent, um, just these smaller markets where you're the professional team, you're the big team in town, I think that was the way to go. It was because now we see it on the flip side. We see what the IFL is doing, and and they're doing that this off season. They 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 went after Oakland, um, which is not a small market per se, but it is um, Duke City. Um, but that was a pickup of a team from another league. Um, I'm missing Spokane. They picked up Spokane and uh, Frisco. Frisco's coming too, so they're figuring out their imprint and we're going to talk about that more in a few minutes but yeah like you said media i thought the media played a role in this as well and not helping the game grow and it also falls on the league too because i thought the league did not do a good job and i and to a certain extent i thought the league was not media friendly um no. to an a certain to a certain extent you know we and see many like, others like two years ago Right, right, correct. But that had to happen with a change of the guard who was commissioner. And this is no disrespect to the other commissioners that were in this league. But for anybody that's covered the league, it just didn't seem like a – it didn't even seem like they held themselves to a professional standard. You can be a minor league, but if you don't hold yourself to a professional standard and this is the same – and, and, and this is what is frustrating, it, how can you grow your game? How can you have people pay attention to your game? When, you know, when we don't get, you know, the injury reports, you know, that that simple stuff like that, simple stuff. We don't get the injury reports. You know, thankfully, we got them this season, but it only happened right. because, hey, we got the DraftKings partnership, which I thought was a great partnership. Don't get me wrong. I thought that was a fantastic partnership. I thought, you know, good for the AFL to get involved with that. It's another way to get fans involved, to get people watching, get people interested and attended. But why did it take for that to just get basic injury reports? You know what I'm saying? Like, it shouldn't have took that much. And then, like you said, and like you pointed, you know, the media and certain outlets and major outlets in various cities just didn't give it the coverage that it, you know, that it deserved. You know, it, it. and I can talk about Philly, you know. Philly, they didn't really talk. They don't really cover, you know, they didn't really cover the, cover the arena football like that. We're looking, and I'm looking at the papers and looking at the television stations. They only covered it when they were in the arena bowl. You know, it was like, all right, the soul is on the arena bowl. All right, let's get a story. Let's get the news cameras out there, blah, 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 blah. Cool. But what about the other 12 to 13 weeks? Like, what happened? Like, what happened to those weeks? Why wasn't nobody there? Like you said, Harrison, there's Philly. They pack eight to 10,000 in the stands. You can't tell me that you cannot cover them. You can't send somebody to cover them. But, hey, no, we'll cover them here and there. You know, other newspapers, we'll cover them here and there. You know, there's only been, like, a few devoted outlets. No, there's only probably... You probably agree with me. There's only like one main outlet who was like truly devoted to covering the soul on a week to week basis, and that was probably KYW News Radio 1060 and Matt Leon. Yeah, Matt Leon the did only, a good job. The only one that covered and actually talked to Dozell literally every week about who they were coming up, did a podcast with Dan Rodderball about his career and stuff like that. Like stuff, just that, just that, you know. If it was reciprocated more at other outlets, it could have made a difference. Now, would it save the league? Hell no. Because, like you said, yeah. they got a whole injury settlement and, you know, I mean, injury lawsuit that you – and just a, I, mean, I don't even – I forgot what kind of lawsuit it is. But they got a huge a huge lawsuit for over $2-something million that they cannot cover. And, and, and that was more of a bigger problem. But maybe if there was more attention shown to the league maybe there would have been a chance. And I think it's the same thing that we're clamoring for in other leagues. It's the same thing we clamor for with the WNBA. It's a great-ass product. But why can't we get attention on it consistently? Oh, what's the holdup? Why can't we get that type of attention? Why does, it, why, 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 why does the attention have to be only when it's playoff time? Why is there not attention and focus on it during the regular season? Why can't the girls play on ESPN? Why they always got to play on ESPN, too? Yeah, and and it was the same thing. And 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 the TV, I thought TV also played a role in it for the NBA, for the uh, for Arena Football League too. You know, they 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 could never have a solid TV partner since the days when they were yeah. on NBC. They could never have a, and they and they were on Spike TV once in a while, a long, little long time ago for all the uh, 
for all the people out there listening, I might be dating myself when I be saying that. I don't want to give my age out, but you know, they was on <laughs> they was on Spike TV too for the longest. But after that, it was like, all right, we're on CBS Sports Network. All right, we're on ESPN. Now we're off of ESPN. Now we're on ES. Now we're on ESPN three, which was cool. But you can watch through the AFL app, which is great. But hey, we're on ESPN two for this Arena Bowl. Cool. And it brought attention. And ESPN, give them credit. When Arena Bowl came around, they were tweeting out highlights of during the game. I mm-hmm. thought that was huge. I thought that was, I thought that was fantastic. But why couldn't we? They get that same attention during the regular season. Why couldn't we get an AFL week of the game, um, an AFL game of the week on ESPN two every week? You can't tell me you couldn't get that done during the summertime when they got cornhole on television. I'm, I'm just I hear saying. You know. and I, I, in a hot dog eating contest? I mean, yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think there's a lot to dissect with the media not covering the AFL. I think a part of it is is there isn't that big of a desire for AFL right. stories. But then, you know, on the contrary, a lot of people during that Arena Bowl were like, "Wait, this league still exists? The Arena Football League is still a thing?" So mm-hmm. a part of it is there's not that big desire because there's a lot of misinformation about it. There's a lot of there's not a lot of knowledge about the league, so it is very frustrating. Um, one thing with the Philly markets, I will say Ed Barkowitz did a fantastic yes, job. Yes, can't forget about Unbe- that. Can't forget unbelievable about job covering the soul from, I don't. I would say 2011, 2012, probably around the reboot yep. to, uh, I can't remember when Ed left, but when they took Ed Barkowitz off the soul beat, I think it was around 2016 or so, not really sure, but. Around that time, when they took Ed off the Soul Beat, that took a huge hit to the Philly Inquirer's um, Soul coverage. Oh, my goodness. It was never the same. Uh, they would send someone out, but it would usually be on a game-to-game basis. Uh, it just it wasn't the same. So that was a big part of it in Philly. Um, I'll definitely call out NBC Sports Philadelphia, though. They, <laughs> they like, operate from the Wells Fargo Center. I think that's, like, their You're home in the base. building. They're in the building. They're in the building all year, and the Phillies are the only other thing going on in town, and they would not cover the soul. That's insane to me. Uh, They would would definitely send out the team for the Arena Bowl. They would give them, like, 30 seconds at the end of NBC Sports Philadelphia's 30-minute show. Uh, They would only tweet out when the league is having these problems with, like, folding. Today there's a story. Right, Um, correct. You know, during the regular season, there was really no coverage. They probably a did a small thing about the soul going to the Arena Bowl in Albany. Probably a small thing, but I mean, in terms of actual coverage, in terms of putting someone on the beat, NBC Sports Philadelphia never did anything like that, which is crazy because they're in the building. They had everything set up in the same building, um, but they didn't do it. So, um, some other media and, and outlets then, and then the national. Oh yeah, and then and then also at the same time, don't mean to cut you off real fast. I gotta just when you said that, just also caught my attention. ESPN actually gave the Arena Bowl some attention on Arena Bowl Day on ESPN.com. Like there was actually an actual like game re- like a game preview, and it was shocking to see that. But where was that attention during this regular season? Where yeah. was that attention? It, it plays a huge part in it. It plays a huge part in it that there was really no media love for the AFL for a very long time. And that's what was so encouraging during the Arena Bowl there um, before the game. They're previewing it on the, uh, on the like, ticker for the ESPN thing. It, it's, it's on every, like, ESPN channel. There's the little Philadelphia versus Albany tonight at 8 o'clock. The next day they do a full, like, little recap of it on SportsCenter. It's being treated like a professional sport. How insane to think. No, that's – that's how it should have been all the time. You're right about that. Um, looking back at the first ESPN partnership, they tried to incorporate some things. They had that ESPN weekly halftime show where they would get, like, a coach who was on bye week. Um, at the time, Ron James oh, was yeah. for power. He went in and, like, did an interview. That was kind of cool. I think they had DeRazio come in and do an interview. Like, that's all good stuff. Um, the way that social media changed from, mm-hmm. you know, 2012 to 2019, the AFL was so behind on social media. So behind. behind on social media. They did not catch on that social media was a thing until 2019. And a lot of that is how good MSC was. They kind of really upped their game, even even last year in 2018. And the Valor always had good social media. But that's kind of a testament to them running a much higher class organization. 
in terms of the Wizards and the Capitals. I mean, those are NBA and NHL teams. Obviously, they know what they're doing. So they did a good job of it. And when they took over the league, the media availability went way up. Um, you mentioned that the league was not very media friendly, and I chimed in until about two years ago. When MSG started running the show, the league was very media friendly. They wanted people to cover them. They were willing to do interviews. You know, Randy Bo or Randall Moe did interviews with a bunch of different outlets when the league suspended operations all throughout the regular season. Um, mm-hmm. The press passes got, like, easier to get. They were way less restricted with what you could talk about. But you're definitely right, man. You're 1,000% right that from 2011 until, like, 2016, the NFL was, like, opposed to media coverage and opposed to things going out on social media about the league. Like, what are you doing? Like, it's all publicity is good publicity, especially when it's not, like, negative. It's just people wanting to cover the league. Um, when arena fan wasn't allowed to go cover the 2012 or 2000, yeah, 2012 arena bowl, they were at the arena bowl, but they weren't allowed down on the field because they said bad things about Jerry Kurz. Like, are you kidding me? These are people who traveled to your arena bowl, to your championship to cover it. They've dedicated an entire site to covering your league and you won't let them go get interviews after the arena bowl that they traveled to. Like, are you serious? Like, that's kind of what we've been dealing with. You're right. They didn't do a very good job of making themselves marketable. Um, I think MSC did a great job of it these last few years, and it's why it's Correct. so frustrating that they're folding this year after having a good year, after having that huge thing on ESPN. Um, ben Fraternale, who did a great job of 50-yard dash, um, he had the, um, the preview on ESPN. He had his um, Malachi video put up on ESPN before the game. I mean, that's huge. That's the exposure that the Arena Football League has always deserved and it's never gotten. Mm-hmm. So to see it fold just three months after that, or four months after that, I'm not exactly sure, um, it's very disappointing. It, it, it definitely is. And, you know, when we look at all this in totality and look forward to the future of, you know, indoor football and just minor league football in general, it's like, where do you go from here? It's like, because we see the AFL, they tried the whole – AFL and China thing don't really think it really popped off like the way that they wanted it to, but They're I can't really that. speak. Oh, really? See, I can't see that. I, about to say. I can't <laughs> really speak outside, on that. Though. They play outside. Oh, that's weird. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, that's something that I can't really speak on per se, but when we just look at indoor football right now, I think we're in a weird state of affairs, Harrison. You would agree for someone who's uh, – who's a indoor football savant and, you know, has, you know, worked, you know, with a couple of AF indoor teams and di- very different leagues, you know, talking to a lot of players that played in a variety of different leagues and a variety of different teams. We're in a weird time right now because we're looking at the IFL as the kings of the indoor world, but how long will they be king? You know, can they keep these new franchises and keep on expanding? Um, can they keep these new franchises aboard for more than a season and can they expand? That's going to be the key. You know, what's going to happen to the NAL? You know, what are they going to do? Or, and, and what about these smaller indoor leagues? What is going to happen to them and, you know, their, you know, survival as well? So I think that's the thing that I'm thinking about right now. And just a question I, you know, pose to you, you know, where do you, where do you, where do you see just the future of indoor football in these minor league teams? And minor league football, and that includes the XFL, which is going to be starting up in a couple of months, you know, a regular season football very shortly, too. I don't think indoor football is going to be extinct. I think that there will always be some type of weird, <laughs> off-the-wall, crazy, <laughs> or, you know, some type of arena football league. Someone will always right. want to try this. Someone will always think that they have the best idea ever and that their arena football league is going to work better than the, like, 70 that have failed in the past 32 <laughs> years. Um, right. So I think there will always be some type of weird, wacky indoor football, even if it's happening in, like, Nebraska. Uh, there will always be football being played inside. Will it potentially become, like, semi-pro, where there's no pay or not much pay? Definitely a possibility. Uh, the current model is very unsustainable, as we're seeing with the AFL. Um, I think for right now, the Indoor Football League is in a great spot. They had a good off season. They've got some good member teams. 
Um, Arizona is a very legit franchise. Iowa is a good franchise. Um, and there's, there's more than that. Sioux Falls is a good franchise. There's a bunch more that I'm not mentioning, but um, they've done a good job. The addition of Marshawn Lynch in Oakland is big for that team. That's going to very much so help them get people in the door. Um, he's a living legend in Oakland. For him to own the team, for him to have a family member on that team, mm-hmm. it's exciting for the future of indoor football, and that's kind of my thing. You know, uh, we love the sport. We love the sport of arena football with the rebound nets. We're losing the rebound nets, but I don't think that it will turn either one of us or a lot of arena football fans off to the sport entirely. Uh, the kickoffs will be different, but it is what it is. I'm looking forward to watching the IFL more in depth this year. Um, will they stay at the top? I, I think so for at least a few years. I mean, it's very hard to predict what's going to happen in arena football as we're all seeing with what's happening in these past few months. I mean, in August, if you had surveyed a hundred people who follow arena football and said, is arena football going to fold in two months? I'm going to bet you like 99 or 100 of them would have said, no, no way. The AFL is going to play in 2020. They're going to get two to four teams. It's going to be great. Can't wait. Bought my season ticket. You know what I mean? So it's hard to predict what's going to happen. I think the IFL, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough to, you know, play the long game. They have to keep a lot of these franchises. They're not a single entity. They have various ownership groups across the league. So I'm rooting for them. I hope it goes well. I think they have a good thing going. I think that they've kind of embraced the minor league football thing way more than the AFL did. Not saying that those Correct. players aren't, you know, professional players, very quality players, but, but from, a league perspective, from a league perspective, from a product-wise, it's not the NFL. It's not the MLB. It's not the NBA or NHL. It's not one of the big four. From an organizational standpoint, it's a minor league. The players can be professional. Uh, I won't discredit that. They're good players, but when you're looking at the league, it's operating as a minor league. So they've done a better job of embracing that than the AFL did. The AFL was kind of still shooting to be household names, to be one of the big guys at the table. Um, I think that there was maybe something there, but to get to nationwide household names, I mean, that doesn't happen overnight. It takes a very, very long time. I think that shooting for household names in markets like Albany, in, you know, the South Jersey area for Atlantic City and Philly, for teams in Columbus, you know, be the household name in Columbus. I think definitely. I think making it a nationwide thing was going to always be a difficult challenge, and I think the IFL sort of realizes that. I hope they realize that. Um, But we'll see. The NAL, it's in a kind of a weird spot. They had a pretty good offseason, but they've dealt with it a lot, having teams kind of come and go. Will they be able to sustain this new league? Um, Jeff Bushy's not there anymore. He was big for the first two years. Now he's not there. Will they be able to continue growing, continue adding teams? Um, we'll see. I really like the addition of the West Virginia Rough Riders. I think that's a big-time addition for them. I think that that is good that they were able to kind of squash that beef and get Greg Fornario's team in the league. West Virginia is a very, very good franchise. Um, they operate kind of in that PIFL. You can almost say like an AFL team. I would argue that they operate very, very highly. They're one of the best indoor football teams in the country. Um, they always have good players. They had Sean Oakman, Robert Meacham, Greg Hardy, and that's only to name a few. Arvell Nelson before he wound up being the Ballard quarterback, Larry Beavers this year. Um, and I'm missing guys, Steve Panafront. So they had a bunch of talent there. I think that's a really good addition for the NAL. I think the Jersey Flight is could be a good addition for the AAL, or the NAL. I think they need to uh, – put a lot of people in the seats. I think that would be important for the flight, but I'm looking forward to that season, looking forward to being a part of that team. They're putting together a quality roster. Um, I think I'm going to be helping out some in media and stuff, so that is always a good time, so I'm looking forward to that. But um, we'll see with the NAL and the IFL. The CIF is out there too. Um, I think the AAL is still running, but who knows. Um, It'll be interesting to see how everyone does without the AFL. It could hurt recruiting a little bit to not have that, you know, well, we can send you to the AFL and you can go make more money up there and be closer to the NFL and the CFL. Now right. that doesn't really exist. Now it's like, you know, you're coming to the IFL. Hopefully we can get you to the XFL or the CFL, which the IFL has done. We have to give them that credit. They've put guys up to the CFL. Um, in the past, a few guys have gotten NFL opportunities. So we'll see if they're able to keep that going. But it will be weird. It will be 
new and interesting to see how they both operate without the AFL. Yeah, it should be interesting because, like you said, almost like the AFL was kind of like not the hedge fund, but like almost like the the league that can kind of shield the other leagues. You know, the, all the attention was on them. Now it's all the attention is now on everybody else, and everybody's going to watch to see how all the other leagues move and how they get through. It because you know, like you said, the AFL are adding teams, but apparently there's like some like criticism with them and and with them adding Frisco apparently. As I'm reading on the uh, arena fan message boards, apparently there's some issues with Frisco, and you know, apparently there was already a team there, and the team like folded halfway through the season or something like that. So again, this just all comes down to the crux of running, running, and trying to have a stable indoor football league. It's hard. It's tough to do. It's something that we thought maybe that they probably thought would be something that would be a niche sport that picks up almost like the national lacrosse, the national lacrosse league, but it haven't really, you know, latched on like that. And that's, you know, it's a shame. It's a shame. And we mentioned, last but not least, we mentioned the XFL and we mentioned the coaches and players, Harrison, who are, you know, this is going to be different for them. You know, where do you see the XFL going, you know, with this, because if you're the XFL, you kind of, even though it's two different leagues, you got to kind of look at that and wonder, okay, how can we try to not make the same mistake that the AFL has made and that the AAF has made? And if you're the players and coaches, you know, what do you do? You know, how do you try to get your hands, you know, in and get yourself, you know, into, you know, the XFL or, you know, somewhere else, you know, what's, what's, what's your other plans? I know you harped on it earlier, but it's just a lot to think about. Yeah, in terms of the XFL, I think the biggest thing that we've learned from the AFL and the AAF is that you've got to have the capital to do one of these leagues. You've got to have a lot of money. You've got to have, to an extent, some money to lose. The first few years are never easy for a startup league. You kind of always get less fans than you're expecting. Um, so you, you, you have to have some money to lose. You have to account for new expenses that are going to pop up. And by no means am I an expert on this. I'm not an expert on it in terms of the AFL either, but there's just there's a lot of money that goes into these things. These are big million dollar, you know, organizations. They're big million dollar leagues. So you've definitely got to be prepared and I don't necessarily think it's that the AFL wasn't. I think this lawsuit is huge. I mean, two point seven million dollars or two point six million dollars is a lot of money. Um, for them to not be able to now expand this year, it hinders their long term plan, it hinders their ability to grow. I think running back out with six teams this year would not have been good either. Um I think you could argue that would be better than them folding, uh, definitely in terms of the players and coaches. But from a league standpoint, running back out with six teams wouldn't have really looked good. It would have looked like they're staying stagnant Correct. and telling fans, oh, yeah, 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 we're going to expand in 2021 now. 2020, we're running back out with six. That would not have gone over well either. So it's for the XFL, you know, they just, they've got to kind of stay the course. They've got to be willing to t- take some losses in their first few years. Um, I think that they have a, a pretty good TV partnership, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they've got some good coaches, some good players. So I'm excited to see that, excited to cover that league, hoping for the best in the XFL, but not necessarily holding my breath that we'll see, you know, a year two, a year three, a year four. Uh, these things are tough to run. I'm hoping for the best, hoping for a multi-year league, but we will just kind of have to see on that one. We'll see how everything goes in the first few weeks of the season. Training camp, we'll definitely know more then. In terms of the AFL players and coaches, it's, it's very unfortunate that the league folded. Um, these guys are smart guys, though, smart, you know, individuals. I think a lot of them will find jobs, whether it be outside of football, whether it be in different leagues, hopefully the CFL, hopefully the XFL, maybe the IFL and the NAL occasionally, um, if it works out maybe for them. Coaching. If, yeah, exactly. High school coaching, college coaching, if they're ready to give up the playing days, um, front offices of teams, you start to work in that aspect of it. So there's a lot of different avenues for guys to go. Um, and that's kind of been something in the AFL for a long time. I mean, guys stop playing after a while. They retire, so they look for new gigs outside of the AFL. Um, not a lot of former players wound up, you know, sticking around in the AFL. Some did to be coaches and broadcasters and stuff, but the, the overwhelming majority winds up out of the AFL, just like the NFL. So, um I think these guys will, you know, definitely find a lot of good gigs. The IFL and the NAL transaction wires um, will definitely be something to watch now, definitely be something to keep our eye on. 
some guys have already went um, back to the NAL. Mason Espinoza, the Albany Empire backup quarterback, re-signed with the Columbus Lions. Lenroy Naismith, wow. a guy who was with the Soul and the Brigade last year, also signed with the Columbus Lions. Um, wow. Rodney Hall, I think, signed with the Columbus Lions. Pretty sure. Uh, or Jacksonville. Can't really remember. So, yeah, there's, there's some guys going down. Um, we'll see what happens in the IFL. The XFL having their supplemental draft and not many AFL guys going definitely uh, isn't a good sign. Even when the AFL was still on good terms, um, AFL guys could have been drafted in the XFL, and some were, obviously, and we're very excited about that with Malachi, Joe Powell, um, Aaron Tiller, uh, Matt Cohen, I think, T.C. Stevens, uh, Marquez Williams, actually not T.C. Stevens, he signed with – T.C. Stevens signed in the NAL. Sorry, mine's a, mine's a blur. Still dealing with all this folding stuff. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think, you know, some guys will go to the XFL, hopefully for training camp, but I don't think that there will be a lot. I think with their rosters are pretty much set after the supplemental draft being done. So not sure how many guys will go to the XFL. Hopefully the CFL is willing to bring some guys in. Hopefully some coaches wind up landing at some college gigs, high school gigs, CFL, XFL, all that good stuff. So. Um, it's unfortunate the AF will afford it, but I think a lot of these guys will land on their feet. Yeah, yeah, I think they will too. And like you said, you know, just hearing those names of, you know, Mason Espinosa, who a lot of people thought, you know, this could be a guy that possibly, you know, that possibly could be a starter in, a, in the AFL on the expansion team. He goes back to Columbus, like you said, and he probably had to know something was going up going on if he you know went back and we saw drew powell another guy who we thought you know could be in the quarterback and expansion team you know he went and stayed with arizona charge mccollum mccollum who you know me and you you know we've been following and watching along with his time with the carolina cobras he goes to the ifl and there's just so many countless other names that you know that we can that we could mention you know and like i said ronnie hall former former soul db he's playing down in um, playing with Columbus. Ishmael Zamora from Baylor, you know, he was a guy, I think that was with uh, the Brigade, I think, or yep. the Baylor, and he's with, you know, the Carolina Cobras. So we're starting to see kind of the, um, we're, we're kind of, we're, 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 we're starting to see the, um, we're start we're starting to see the fallout happening um, in and around the indoor, just the indoor football um, landscape, and it should be interesting to see how the rest of them fall because, like I said, a lot of guys will have to make a decision on where they want to do it and if they want to continue to play. And if so, you know how much are how much are they willing to how much are they willing to play? Are they going to stay home and try to find a lead the team there, or are they going to try to venture out and continue to play? So hey, you know we will um, see what happens. I think that's pretty much it. I think we I think we kind of explained it all, Harrison. Right? I'm pretty sure we didn't miss anything. If I'm, I'm pretty sure we didn't miss anything um, from our from our final episode. Um, I just want to say, you know, we appreciate from me and Harrison. We really appreciate everybody that you know took the time out to listen to this podcast. You know, we we really had fun doing it. It was really, to be honest with you guys, it was really a Harrison idea. He really came up with the idea and really said, you know, we should do something like this. After we were going to do something on the AA, on the AAF, you know, we were actually going to do a podcast on it, but then that folded and, you know, kind of like, all right, what well, we shift our attention to? Why not the league that we've been covering for, like, years, like veteran reporters in the game, you know? Um, this was his idea, and we had fun doing it. You know, this, you know, had a lot of fun, you know, just breaking down the games, analyzing the games, you know, talking about DraftKings, um, you know, interviewing various players and coaches, which Harrison was a big help in, you know, bringing those guys on and just hearing those guys talk about their passion for the game or how they got to this point in their football careers were just so enlightening and so encouraging to hear because it is also those stories aren't so much, you know, those stories are something that we can all listen to and apply to our own lives and say, you know what, this is something, you know, if they're not giving up on our dreams, on their dreams, then why should we give up on ours? So I thought overall it was a great uh, podcast to do. It was a lot of fun to talk about, you know, to talk about the league. And, you know, it, it, it again, it was just a, it was just a dichotomy of, the, of what the AFL was, which is, you know, everybody, you know, trying to, you know, trying to, trying to, trying to get to that next level. And a lot of shout out to a lot of the independent media, especially when you're looking at, 
silly. There are so many independent media outlets who really took under their wing of covering the soul and, you know, really, you know, brought a strong media presence there. I wasn't there this season. I wish I was, knowing that the league had uh, <laughs> folded, but Harrison was down there a lot, and he'll tell you there's a lot of independent media outlets and websites that really took uh, covering the soul under their wing, and I know the players probably in the had to really appreciate it as well because even the, in, at the end of the day, even though they're indoor football players, they are still, you know, they're still athletes. They're they're still pro athletes. You know, these are guys that you know that take their craft seriously, and you know, they deserve to be, have the same amount of media coverage the you know the professional guys get. So that's pretty much all I gotta say. Uh, before we wrap, Harrison, anything else you gotta add? Um, before yeah, we uh, before I mean, we first drop and foremost, it. Yeah, first and foremost, I mean, I want to thank you. Um, I appreciate all the nice things you said about me right there, but Yolan, bro, definitely we couldn't have done this without you. You do pretty much everything on the production side of it. Um, it's been a lot of fun, you know, getting back and doing this with you. We did um, some podcasts back in the day, I think like 2015 and stuff, 2016. Um, so it was really fun to be able to fire this back up. Uh, it's it's sad that we have to stop it. You know, it's sad that we're not going to be able to continue covering arena football, the arena football league. Um, I know me and you are definitely going to keep, keep the podcast up. We've already been talking about kind of moving back to the TSL podcast and stuff like that covering. Um, the XFL, that's definitely on our radar. We're definitely planning um, on doing some stuff with New York City and Washington, D.C. in the you know surrounding areas where we're football junkies. We'll, we'll take spring football any way we can get it, indoors or outdoors. So the XFL is definitely on our mind. But, I mean, you know, most importantly, I would say is just definitely it, it's very sad for the players, coaches, front office staff, and the fans of this league to, you know, see it go. This has been uh, a really fun league, uh, beyond fun. It's been, you know, a huge inspiration in my life, a huge part of my life for a long time. I know it's been a huge part of your life. Um, there's so many people that the Arena Football League has impacted in some way or another, even guys who, you know, were only around for a few years or people like Les Moss who have been around the league basically, you know, their entire professional career. Um, it's been It's been a fun league. It's been a fun league to be a part of. met so many great people in this league, around this league, in various indoor football leagues. Um, can't get enough of it, so I'm going to go work for the Jersey Flight in the NAL. Um, we'll, you know, we'll have some coverage of the NAL and the IFL probably to some extent, but um, I, d- I don't think it'll be the same as what we did for the AFL. Me and Jovan have kind of talked about it. Um, definitely got to thank everyone at Arena Fan as well. I know that they're kind of going through the same thing that we're going through on this podcast. Um, they're going to move into doing some historical interviews, which is going to be very, very interesting to listen to but it it is it's a weird time for arena football um we're kind of all in transition more more importantly the players and the coaches and the people who make their livelihoods off this are in transition and those are the people that we're all really thinking about we're all hoping for the best for we're hoping that they get their severance package we're hoping that they're landing opportunities as we speak i hope you know pretty much all the afl and all the afl coaches all the afl players um hope their phones are ringing right now with opportunities but yeah, it's definitely sad for people like us and Arena Fan and Underground Philly and David Malaranda with various different sites and, um, you know, so many different people cover the league. Um, Matt Cass. Arena Anthony Insider. Carter. Oh, yes, I, yes, exactly. I, Anthony Carter, man, he texted me today. I was like, dude, Ant, such a, that's a lifelong friend, you know, and a lot of those guys are. But Ant, man, me and him go back. Me, me you and him go back to those crazy 2014, 2015 days. Uh, the Cleveland game when Philly lost on the buzzer, and then the next year Philly versus Jacksonville, and then 2016 they win the Arena Bowl. I mean, those are those are great memories. 2017 they win the Arena Bowl. Um, I know that's special for a lot of people. Um, Jake Babin was on that team. Ben Snyder now he started covering it that year. John started covering that year. I mean, these are all just great dudes, great people to be, you know, associated with. All the coaches who have had success, all the players who have had success. I mean. It's a special league. It's the the video they posted today, the, uh, the like five minute video of all the highlights of you know the various since like 1987 to 2019. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's a it's a fun league. It's a great league. Very sad to see it go. Will be interesting to see if someone tries to start it back up in a few years. Maybe the High Motion Podcast will return in 2023 or 2025 or 2050. Who knows? Um, but yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely sad the AFL's folding, sad the high-motion podcast is folding, but, you know, me and Jovan aren't going anywhere. We're on Total Sports Live all the time. Um, 
with Jovan's great stuff on the Eagles and the Metro, covering the Sixers on Total Sports Live. Um, I've moved into covering the G League down in Delaware. I'm heading down there on Friday to go catch their game against the Knicks. That's been a blast to do. Very exciting. Kind of helped take my mind off the AFL folding. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, I'm really I'm rooting for everyone that was a part of the AFL. Uh, I, I saw Tim Capper, another person who i got to thank, and Adam Markowitz from the early days of Arena Fan. Those guys both were huge in my career. Um, you know, I, I saw he posted the hashtag Arena Football Family, and they're like, yeah, it's true. Like, you know, I'm rooting for all you guys. We're a small little family. There's not that many people in the Arena Football League. You know, you kind of get to know everyone or close to everyone or a majority of the people. So if you got the Arena Football League, you know, next to your name, I'm rooting for you. For real, most definitely. You know, Joe Powell, Malachi Jones, you know, go put in work in the XFL. You know, those are the yep. – those are the those are the the lifelines back to the AFL, and if they play well in the XFL, then that just means the AFL continues and once again has done its job, which is to give guys the next chance to go to the next level. And um, yeah, that's going to wrap up this last episode of the High Motion Podcast. Thanks again for everybody for tuning in. Like Harrison said, we will be back. Just not talking arena football, but there's a whole bunch Can't of other right. things to talk. Can't get rid of us. There's a whole bunch of other things happening in Philadelphia sports. There's, like I said, G League, the, the Blue Coats, him and Nick, you know, covering the Blue Coats and Sixers, Eagles, Phillies, you know, it's still a whole bunch of stuff going on. So, hey, we'll still be around. Make sure you follow Harrison on Twitter at Harry Brown Russo. Follow me on Twitter at Jovan10. And don't forget to check out TotalSportsLive.com. So, for me and Harrison, everyone have a good one. Enjoy the holidays. Happy Thanksgiving, and we will talk to you guys in the near future. Long live the AFL.